Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Munkin', the only podcast that teamed up with Nancy Reagan to create the Just Say No to Funk campaign back in the 80s, because all we do is Monk. I'm your co-host, Jay Christie, joined as always by Andre Brera. Andre, how are you? What a limp penis follow-up to last week's fucking... I mean, I just say I thought I was I liked the one I did, and you don't need to tell me that uh, I don't care about your opinion. You're just a critic, is what I'll say to that. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about uh, the episode of Monk, yeah. Mr. Monk, and the critic. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, yes. That felt nice to say. That felt nice to say. For I pre- honestly, I'm glad it's 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 about time that you got to say it. And I'm really happy for you. Um, but yeah, yeah, Mr. Monk and the critic. Um, I feel like any time a movie or TV show has a character that's a critic, it feels like it's just the show uh, grinding its axe against critics. But I actually don't feel like that yeah. was the case here. Um, yeah, no, for sure. I, I agree with... I mean, I, I hadn't even thought about that before, but you, I could definitely see what you're talking about, for sure. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that this is not exactly a critic, but I remember that there was an episode of Community where the Jeff's plotline... Have a shot. Take a shot, everybody that's listening. Hey, anyway. Um, that, uh, we're just short of an NYU reference, and we yeah. have bingo. Uh-huh. That uh, Jeff was getting notes in his locker from someone named Kim, and it was just because the creator was tired of... There was an NBC executive, and the plot, plot was he thinks that a girl's flirting with him, but it turns out it's a guy named Kim. And it was just because the creator, Dan Harmon, was frustrated that a Sony executive named Kim kept giving him a lot of notes. <laughs> so that's the type of thing that showrunners do, is that they grind axes. But this just feels like, you know... Also, I think Monk was pretty critically liked, so it's not, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of axes to grind. But we don't start off with a critic. I mean, we do start off, we don't realize it's a critic. We start off in, something that thing is executed really, really well, a one-shot first-person POV shot uh, of, like, the fir- the cold open. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we're in uh, San Francisco at night, a uh, beautiful city. I will be there at the end of next month for my birthday slash uh, festival. Mm-hmm. But, so we're at a hotel, and, um, you know, it, it's clear from how it, starts off that uh the woman was not expecting her guest until i mean he was ex- she was expecting him much later because she's still you know her hair is wet she's in a robe and she's very surprised to see him there mm-hmm. yes and uh you know they're, they're clearly romantically involved in some way um and uh much like uh you know governor of florida pitbull she got some hotel room service um and not at the uh, holiday end, though no, I actually heard that song. Where was I? That oh, we were at a bar, and randomly that song came on, and it kind of was like a moment for everyone. Like, is this is that are they playing hotel room service in twenty twenty one? But anyway, great stuff. Uh, and uh, I mean, yeah, it's great. There was a tweet I love, which is like everyone. It was like um, from someone in their late twenties was like. All people are like, I wish that I had Olivia Rodrigo's album when I was an angsty teen. And it's like, well, shut up. You had hotel room service and you liked it. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, he there's some chocolate-covered strawberries. He eats them. Um, and he was, clearly, and also, he was supposed to be there at 10.30. Yes. And there's clearly some tension here. It's very obvious that there's a mistress situation. Because she says, I was thinking you were ashamed of me. And then he says he has to ask her something. And, uh... It looks like he's about to pop the question. Um, you know, how, what do you think of his form as someone who has had to do it himself? 
Um, I mean, it's pretty solid. I mean, he seems like to be a taller guy than me. Um, I, yeah, I would be curious to see how they filmed this whole thing. Um, I'm not, I haven't been on a movie set or anything like that, so yeah. I, I think they would just, they, what they just do is they just have the other actor act to a camera. Obviously, I don't think Dylan Baker is on set for it. Um, he might actually just be off camera doing his lines, but he's obviously not the one, like, with a, he did not make a GoPro on his head. Um, right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, yeah, so he, he's there and he proposes to his, to that girl mm-hmm. and, you know, she mentions, like, she starts giving us some details that obviously will come into play later, like, mm-hmm. that she's gonna make him the happiest person and that mm-hmm. she's sorry she's been so crazy lately mm-hmm. and that she's gonna make him happy, but at least they can, like, like, not hide themselves and, like, mm-hmm. he felt like she was always, she felt like he was always ashamed of being with her, so clearly laying the breadcrumbs that this is, uh, an affair. And yeah. and he left his wife, uh, and now they're gonna live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. That's what exactly. she exactly. And she says, "I could die right now." And he says, "It's funny you should say that," which I think is a fun line. But it is also I said this before. Unless you are a serial murderer, murdering someone is traumatizing. <laughs> He's not just gonna be out here making quips. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, I've seen it's like, fine. Dylan Baker. It's fine. Yeah. So the critic is Dylan Baker, obviously. You yeah. just, you'll see him later. Yeah, who's? Um, I recognize his voice because I've seen yeah, him in like so many things lately. I mean, he's just—he's one of those guys that can, he's just like a, a rock. You know what I mean? Like you, see, you yeah. see Dylan Baker, you know he's gonna give a good performance. You know, he's not gonna steal the show probably, but he's just like he's solid, and I—he's a workman, and I appreciate him a lot. Your your favorite Dylan Baker performance? I don't know if you have one, but uh, honestly, Anchorman two. I think he's really really good in it. I don't know when the last time you saw that movie. Oh god, dude! Honestly, I only saw like the first twenty minutes of that. I don't. He remember. plays like a coked up like eighties uh, cable producer who like basically inv- help co invents like the uh you know randomly cutting the car chases and stuff like that. It's it's just uh-huh. it's I, I probably the only role I've ever seen him in where it feels like he's playing like an important character and not just a guy. You know. Um, yeah, I think the only thing that I can like, I mean, he's been in like a, like a ton of movies. He's been in a ton of things, but yeah. what he stands out to me the most is definitely in um, what's it called, uh, The Americans. He has like a good season. Yeah, he's run great in the on Americans. That show. He, I, I oh, you saw the, the Americans? Yeah, I've seen the Americans. Um, okay. The first time I think I saw him was he's in the Spider Man two and three. Um, yes, as Doctor Kurt Connors, but he never actually gets to become the Lizard Man, so he just plays a guy with one arm. <laughs> Just right, 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 right. Um, but anyway, um, so then we cut to after theme song, one hour previous, and we're seeing a play. And uh, what theater is this? Did you catch what theater it was? Well, I mean, I didn't catch. I mean, the theater was called something else. It was the people who were performing the Vinton Street Vinton players. Street yes, players, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, and so we learn because Natalie and Monk are in the crowd, and we learn from Natalie that Julie is going to be is in this, and she is applying to Cal for theater arts. Uh, right. So she's pursuing her career. Yeah, and and spoken like a true person that's not from California. Like Cal is only Cal to people who follow like college sports, but like there's several Cal states. I mean, she said Cal uh, Berkeley, and for and she said it in the episode. No, she said Cal Berkeley, but you yeah. just said Cal. You didn't say yeah, Cal Berkeley. I did because I know most. I know colleges through college sports. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, there's there's Cal. I, I understand. LA, I understand Cal Northridge. I'm, I'm aware. Uh, there's Cal State Fulton. There's Cal. There's UC. There's Cal, UC Davis. UC Santa Barbara. UC Santa Cruz. Um, right. Cal, Cal State Long Beach. Oh shit! No, but that's the weird thing. It's that there's University of California, and then, and then there's, there's Cal, Cal State. State. I know. There's I'm not. I didn't get them any. I didn't confuse any of those. I I was 
I got all of them right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, what I'm pointing out is the fact yeah. that Cal Berkeley's called Cal, even though like that's usually reserved for a Cal State. Yes, because usually it's UC. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, also I've heard it called UC Berkeley. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But so she's applying to Cal Berkeley for theater arts. I apologize that I didn't speak it like a true Californian. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, then Monk and Natalie have a fight over the armrests. Um, but Natalie notices that John Hannigan, Dylan Baker, is in, like, the booth, and he's a theater critic at the Dispatch, but he doesn't normally review community theater. Right. Yeah, he's sitting in the, uh, Abraham Lincoln seats. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, like, so Natalie notices that, but Monk notices something else. He notices a, a veteran and his wife coming in, and, His uh, daughter, and veteran... actually. His daughter. Oh, and his daughter, and his daughter, Yeah. And the veteran happens to be armless, so obviously he's gonna he's gonna use this to his advantage, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, he asks for the woman to or the, the the daughter to switch seats with him, so that he can obviously have the armrest all to himself. Because he puts up a big stink about sharing uh, mm-hmm. armrest with Natalie, and mentions like, what is this like Russia? Like, what do you think mm-hmm. this is? What yeah, is yeah, and so you know he gets his armrest, but then, uh oh, he has to go home. Because it's a little N-A-T-U-R-E, nature. Yeah, he's a regular uh, finch from American Pie. He can't do it anywhere. He's got to go home. He's shit break. Well, I mean, I, I don't think he can pee even in public, probably. Right, um, but what, I mean, whatever. He's yeah. bathroom break. Exactly. Stop um, ruining my joke. Sorry, 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 sorry. And then Natalie's like, I'm not leaving. My, my daughter's in a play. You know, what the hell's wrong with you? And she insists that he should use the men's room. Um, and so he ends up, you know, swallowing his pride. He goes to the men's room. And when he opens it up, it is Shangri-La for Monk. It is paradise. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful-looking bathroom, um, you know. And, you know, not that you would think that, like, a bathroom for, like, a theater that plays reputable uh, plays or what have you uh, would be a shithole. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it is a shithole technically. Like that's yeah. true. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I I can vibe with that. And I, as someone who personally has trouble going to public restrooms, um, I've gotten a lot better over the years. Uh, I think there's the same one, and same. The one, yeah, the one exception I always have is obviously gas stations. Well, there's a couple mm-hmm. yeah. gas stations and airports. There's just too many asses in there, man. I'm fucking. Sorry. I, I I can't I. I only I can't go pee in a urinal, but uh, if it's a crowded bathroom, I just can't do it. Um, and so I usually if it's use a what? Stall. If it, I can't, if it's a, if it's anyone else is in there, I really can't use the urinal. So I usually use the you stall. can't piss. No, in not a not in a urinal. No, I've uh, I I it's I don't know. I've always been that way. Um, uh, you know what? I understand. I get it. Like I that's also it's I'm, it's, it's not a normal thing, but it's not. I would say probably that affects probably like five to ten percent of people uh, of men. I don't For think sure. that that unusual thing. Well. Let me let me tell you something real quick. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced this uh, down in Florida, but mm-hmm. Dodger Stadium before they renovated, they used to have urinals that were like a trowel. Yeah, and that was very hard for me growing up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't even know what it is, but like my I, my family, I you know, I think that my dad has it worse than me. My older brother has it, but not as bad as me. And then my twin brother doesn't have it at all. But yeah, just I don't know. I've but but the thing is, the cleanliness never actually gets to me. It's just like the feeling like people around it's not even like a self-conscious thing about you know having my dick out i think it's just like that i feel like people are waiting on me or you know i, I don't know it's just a, a mental block i can't go anyway not i important. have i have a yeah. i have a level to that sorry like well this no, is fine. the last thing and then we can move on uh 
I it takes me forever to start pissing if someone's like around me. Yeah. That's it's just it, I just get anxious. And so it's yeah, it's it's you know, not really a huge problem. But anyway, I've been to theaters on Broadway. And their bathrooms are, like, nice bathrooms, but, one, they're not very big, because it's New York. But also, it's, like, they're not, like, this clean, you know? Um, right. This is more like a like a Ritz-Carlton kind of bathroom. Yeah, this feels, like a, this feels like a bathroom at, like, a classy, like, wedding venue, you know? That's what it yeah, feels yeah. like. Um, yeah. And, anyway, uh, so we meet uh, Gilson, who is the, uh, the bathroom attendant. Um, have you ever been yeah. in a bathroom with a bathroom attendant before? Oh, many times. I, I don't know if you know this, but every bathroom in Vegas has bathroom attendants. I did not know that. I At think clubs. I've only been in twice, maybe, bathrooms with bathroom attendants. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway. Or sh- or strip clubs. Wow. Uh, you, I guess you do need extra help. Um, so uh, there's ten different soaps, Peruvian cotton towels. Um, you know, uh, Gilson is just a man who takes pride in his work, and Monk really respects that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he keeps, uh, he runs a tight ship. Uh, he seems like a good guy. And, you know, Monk, you know, uh, he absorbs himself enough to, he absorbs himself in the experience enough that a man, like, mm-hmm. walks by and actually tips him instead of Gilson. Yeah. And he pockets it before Gilson's like, hey, hey, hey whoa. Hey, yeah. yo. Hey, yo, wait. I'll take that. Um, hey, I'll take that. And so, then Monk returns to his seat. And Natalie's, like, shocked to learn that he used the bathroom. But Monk's like, this is amazing. I might have to become a patron. Um, and then a guy comes up to introduce it. He, according to Amazon, is credited as pretentious actor, which is accurate. Um, and uh, we then see, as it's going on, we see the silhouette of John in the box, and you see a green watch light. So that's just a little note. I don't know if you made a mental yeah. note of that, but that comes up. And then we not, see but... Julie's yeah. performance, which is fine. Um uh wow yeah i mean uh, you know a lot of theater kids at this point like they have just like they'll fucking knock it out of the park right mm-hmm. like you know what it is um so i get it it's a fucking tv show I, i'm curious to see like if this was actually julie's voice was it you know? i would guess it was um just because like i think that like it is a very credible actor singing thing and i think that if it was in like a movie and they had like the time to do all the prep and get it right that it like i think she has a good singing voice it just like mm-hmm. is not um i, I cannot believe i'm gonna fucking fill out the bingo card but i don't know there i think it, like i assume that cal's theater department is probably comparable to nyu's and just no one in the everyone in the uh, musical theater department at nyu had a significantly better singing voice than that like they just I, stuck I'm out like sure I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I know that Yaya Abdul-Mateen went to UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, he, he took theater there, so there you go. I mean, you don't, and the thing is, you don't have to sing, obviously, in order to get into a theater program at a lot. There are plenty of actors who don't sing, but I'm assuming that that's part of it, she's doing musical theater. Um, and so, you know yeah. who definitely doesn't sing who's an actor? Russell Crowe. No, he does Well, no, he, he doesn't sing well. He does. He sings a lot. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think that it's definitely, um, it is interesting, because there's also, like, I, there's a, basically every actor can sing a little bit. And, like, I think that, like, if, for example, if Julie in, you know, the universe of the show were to be doing, like, a musical, and she had, like, three months of vocal training, she could sound amazing. I think it's just the way that, you know, there's some actors who, I imagine Emmy Clark probably wasn't a, you know, musical theater, uh, person doing this so anyway um so uh 
they, they they leave the theater after having a good experience, and Natalie's super excited, and Monk says that she was very poised. Hold on, hold on, hold on. One, one quick thing we have to note is okay. that the whole, like, basically, I, we know that Natalie loves her daughter, mm-hmm. um, but it almost seems like she was too preoccupied with looking up at uh, John Hannigan in, in the yes. box seat. But she's like, she mm-hmm. has a constant eye on him. So that's yes. an important detail here. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so um, they, they see John Hannigan as they uh, are walking out, and Natalie's trying to, like, talk loud about how much she loves the girl who's saying away. And then Monk blows up by saying, who thought you had the same last name? And he throws away a pack of unopened cigarettes. Um, yeah. Interesting Which stuff. Which is just unconscionable. Unconscionable. Yeah. Unconscionable, but yes. Unconscionable, um, yeah. Throughout a pack of heaters. Um, a couple. Uh, so then Julie comes out dressed as an old lady. Um, because I guess she's staying in makeup for the cast party, which is just a plot device. But it's fine, honestly. No, that just feels like a very 18-year-old theater kid thing to do. <laughs> like, I actually yeah, fully I buy believe it. that. I buy it. I buy it. Um, and they're going to stay at the cast party until the reviews come out. Um, so you got to wait for the theater reviews. Um, right. Uh, so we then cut to Monk and Natalie stumble upon the crime scene uh, of the woman who fell. And uh, they mention Monk is asked about the performance. And what does Monk say? She was very poised. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he basically mimics what Natalie says about her, so mm-hmm. he's clearly, like, whatever about it, which mm-hmm. he should have said a lot more, but anyways, yeah. Um, and so they kind of just get into it about, like, what happened, and basically they're there under the impression that she committed suicide. Um, mm-hmm. Why Sotomayor and Disher are there for that? No idea. I thought they were just, like, homicide kind of... I mean, because there aren't enough homicides in the city of San Francisco, I think, to warrant... Like, I think that they need to clear... They probably there need isn't? to have... I mean, in the show, yes, but in, like, in real life. Um, but I'm just, what I'm saying is that they probably need to just go and check it out before they call it a suicide, and then, you know... I assume that a detective has to look at what looks like a suicide to confirm that it is a suicide. I don't think they just let the cop on the scene make that determination. Yes, correct. Um, so yeah, they that's they're there because they think it was a jumper case, and uh, and Sotomayor makes a very uncouth joke that it's just you know it's at, it's a murder at a hotel or mm-hmm. like a crime mm-hmm. at a hotel, an occurrence at a hotel, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously it looks like she checked out early. Yeah, honestly, great stuff. Big uh-huh. Yeah, great yeah. stuff. So they're in the room. The lady's name was Callie Esterhouse. She was mm-hmm. a waitress at uh, a Winberry restaurant. What is it? Winberry's. Winberry's. Yeah, Winberry's, I didn't write it down. Yeah. And she checked in alone, but she didn't think she was going to be alone because there are two glasses with room service. Right, but the curious detail here, oh, well, mm-hmm. which also starts it off, is that she's a local, like an extreme local. She lives 10 blocks from there. So, like, yeah. why the fuck are you getting a hotel? Exactly. And then Natalie starts. <laughs> Sniffing around, and I don't mean metaphorically, because she smells some type of men's cologne. Yeah, and uh, no one cops to, to owning a cologne or to wearing it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that gets, you know, Monk starts to put stuff together, and he nails it, of course. He's, he's got the idea of what happened, he just doesn't yeah. know who it was. Yeah. So he notices that her hair was wet, like her body. Uh, basically, that... The per- she was surprised. Mm-hmm. Her hair was wet. She had a new dress laid out on the bed. Her makeup wasn't applied, and she only had she had one fake eyelash still like yet to be applied. Yeah. So clearly, she was not expecting her guests, just as we saw in the opening of this whole episode. 
and uh, and yeah, he's he's got the bones of what went down. Yeah. So they bag up the strawberry with the bite mark on it, and then we don't know Randy is, and Randy is apparently getting a newspaper for Natalie for the midnight edition of the paper to see the review. Um, and a review again of a community theater performance. Exactly. And uh, Summer's not very happy about that, but whatever. Um, so Monk is. He asked Monk onto the balcony to take a look at what happened. Monk doesn't want to, you know, leave. But he's. Like, Casey says, like, oh, she was pushed off on this side because she grabbed some leaves. And then uh, by that plant where she grabbed the leaves, there is a ribbon for Alaski jewelers for uh, some type of box, probably a ring. And then Monk sees the indentations of his footprints and concludes that he was proposing marriage to her yeah um which you know shame on that hotel for having it be dusty enough outside for there to be footprints that can be seen uh will not be staying there next month so that means they're like okay we gotta look for a boyfriend and then randy shows up and uh he doesn't want to give natalie the paper um he's like oh he's probably just a frustrated actor you know he's jealous etc etc he's not wrong no, he's not. Part, I, I mean, I don't want to uh, scrutinize film critics because, you know, uh, there's, they're a fine group of people. Um, but uh, generally speaking, I don't know. I just actually don't he's like... Not, I, he's not trying to poison the fucking well, is what you're no, trying I, to No, it's not even that. It's just like, I actually just don't uh, care that much. I think that the brain that makes someone want to be a film critic is actually not so much... Like, I don't think it's actually just one-to-one someone who wasn't able to be a filmmaker. I just don't think that, and I just don't think that's I I think it's different now. I think it might have been true at some point in time. Yes. But now, like, just like how they say that most people that, like, you know, produce or, like, direct or whatever stuff, like, they just couldn't hack it for whatever reason. Like, in, because, like, when you think about, like, film and, like, wanting to be in movies or whatever, um, and there's, like, a whole separate discussion for doing TV versus movies. But there's always that whole thing that, like, whoever's behind the scenes is only there because they couldn't, like, do what they wanted to. There's just no question about, like, I mean, I love writing, but if I was capable of acting, I absolutely would try to act. Like, that's just much better. So, you know, I I guess what I'd say, I think think you're 100% right, though. I think back in the day, it was a lot of frustrated people, but I think just the tone of film criticism is just not as, film and TV criticism is just not as bitter as it used to be, for better and worse. I think that means that sometimes people are too nice about stuff, but I also think that you don't have, like, the... Like the bitterness that just like uh right, but what also adds to that now it's like it's not just newspaper critics. It's like every fucking website's got a critic. So like, there's just so much more to go around for the whole criticism. Would you industry. say? Would you say that everyone's a critic? Mm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So absolutely. um, Natalie finally gets her hands on the newspaper and reads it, and what it says is that Julie Teaker's rendition was forgettable, a corny cliche performance that was begging for less. Four min. I wanted four minutes of my life back. Like a true writer, you fucking got every goddamn word of that criticism uh, memorized. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I wrote it down. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but like, curiously, you wrote all that down, but you didn't have the fucking name of the restaurant written down? Uh, yeah. Uh. Honestly, uh. yes. What is more important for understanding this episode? Knowing the name of the restaurant that could be literally anything or the like the specific cutting details of what was said? Well, I would argue that knowing the restaurant would be very good. No, but knowing the specific case. name of it, it could be anything. Like, if it was Johnson's, it would not change the episode. It doesn't matter. Then we see Julie reading it, and it's sad because she's, like, really trying to keep a good face on it. But, you know, imagine you were at a party for a cast thing and you got ripped to shreds in the review. Like, uh, you know. 
So, yeah, no, obviously it's it's and she's a young woman still, so uh, you know people take things a lot harder when they're of that age. And I guess you never stop feeling that way, but especially well, it's, that it's a, a very sensitive time. Yeah, it's a big like break in a big theater, you know, you know, it's a uh, and it's a big reviewer. Anyway, so we yeah. cut to the next day. They're at the restaurant. Uh, what is it? Shit, I didn't still didn't write it down. <laughs> Winberries. Winberries. Uh, and they're talking to the other waiter. Uh, another waiter. Um, apparently. Uh, What's her face? I have the name down. Uh, uh, Callie Julie, was very Callie, Callie yeah. was very private about her dating life, but she thinks that maybe the guy who uh, who she just called Jay in her diary uh, might have been married because she was super secretive about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, might have been married, and uh, yeah. So yeah, there's this whole thing about how he's only ever referred to Jay as Jay, yeah. and yep. uh, yeah, and that's it, pretty much. Yeah. And, and Natalie so, is Nat- yeah, Natalie's still there. Yeah, she's she's there and she cannot get her head in the game. She's still stewing in this review and you know, Scott uh, Stott, Scott Stott rightfully calls her out and just mentions that they're there for mm-hmm. he mentions I think he says a murder straight up. So mm-hmm. at this point yeah. he's like fully on board with this. Well, theory. no, it definitely but at this point we definitely know it was a murder cuz like the 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 what's it called? The um the leaves being ripped and then they probably would have concluded a murder anyway once they bagged the strawberry they could tell it didn't match her even though they can't match it later it's not from her so like it's i actually don't think that there's much of a question at this there's no question at all at this point that it's a murder okay right um so yeah uh so he like calls her out and just says you know what if you have such if you can't let this go why don't you stroll your ass over to his office, like, five blocks down the street? Apparently, San Francisco is the smallest fucking... Oh, no, but it had to have worked out this way. Yeah, anyway, exactly. March, that... march your fucking way to his office and call him out in person and just get the fuck out, basically. It is funny. We try to, like, say, like, that's a convenient coincidence, but it's like, no, no, no that's the plot. The restaurant's really close. Um, but, yeah. uh, so, he, um, we cut to Dylan Baker with his canoodling with his now fiancé, where apparently, uh... It's the biggest engagement photo they've ever seen in the newspaper. Um, and and he clearly says, what we see is that the ring was always meant for her. Exactly. And he mentions to the, his fiance, I'm surprised your father didn't put it on the front page. He's sleeping with his boss's daughter. Um, uh, this plotline was actually inspired by the not successful Ashton Kutcher comedy, My Boss's Daughter, which I saw on cable once. Anyway. Um, is that with Brittany Murphy? No, it's with Tara Reid. Just Married is with Brittany Murphy. Ah, Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, My boss's daughter is truly one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and I know that's the case because I saw it when I was like, "Really? Ten. It's so bad." If I remember correctly, it ends with—I don't even remember why he's in the movie. But Keenan Thompson like tries to hang himself at the end and is unsuccessful, and then he's in a neck brace for like the rest of the movie. It's not good. Terrence Stamp plays the boss in question, which is weird. Um, anyway, it's a strange movie. Uh, it was. I mean, you know what because well, we had an, we got an HGTV pretty early, and that like like the main channels and then ESPN were really the only HD channels. But there was one movie channel called In HD that just showed HD movies, and they showed that movie all the time because I guess they had an HD print of it. And it was just like, why is this movie all the time? So yeah, anyway, no, don't watch it. Highly don't recommend. It, and that's really saying something coming from me. Um, yeah, yeah, I got you. And you gotta be real dog shit for me to say that. Anyway. So, uh, Natalie comes in, and he says, can't you see I'm kissing my luscious fiancé? And I vomited when I had to type out those words, luscious and fiancé, next to each other. It just made me feel gross. Um, yeah, I hate it. Fair. Yeah, thanks, I hate it. Um, and so, you know, she doesn't really mince a ton of words here. Uh, she, 
she basically just calls him out, right? She calls he says, you called her forgettable. I, you know, I wish I could forget. Uh, and he says, like, I wish I could forget her, you know? Basically trying to, like, patronizingly making it seem like he didn't say something that bad. You can tell that this is far from his first time dealing with this, you know? Right. And, like, luckily for all of them and everyone involved, uh, you know, the cops are there to witness him being so concrete about how much no, how that's much later. sucked. That's, uh, no, no, the, the review is the later part. The, the, the cops aren't there for that part. It's oh, just the review right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, right. Um, right, right. And so he's like, you know, uh, you're a bully. People loved her. And a couple details happened, though. He got food delivered, Winberries again, and mm-hmm. then uh, Natalie <laughs> smells her, and uh, she recognizes it. Uh-huh. And uh, so then we yeah. cut back to the police station where they're kind of going over the... You realize they hit a dead end. No one was in the next room. He was wearing gloves, etc., etc. But mm. then Natalie comes in, and she's got a break in the case. She knows who committed this crime. And obviously, mm-hmm. we know who she's going to say it is. She thinks that it's John Hannigan. And, uh, of course, no one believes her. I mean, because she's, like, pretty... Well, not yet, but, like, pretty soon, she's about to get super irrational about it. Um, she only has two... She has three clues. Uh, yes. He was wearing the same cologne, J's for John, and uh, Winberries is his favorite restaurant, which is what we in the biz call not enough. <laughs> right. And so Sotomayor pours some cold water on, uh, on that by saying that she died during the show that he was reviewing. So um, obviously he couldn't have done it, to which Natalie suggests that he might have snuck out. Mm-hmm. But as we all know, she was watching him like a hawk. That mm-hmm. day, yeah, uh, or that night, yeah, it's a great alibi because everyone knows he's there. People are probably watching to see his, you know, reactions, um, to see if he gets shot in the head by a former actor, um, you know. Yes, things you do another, in that seat. Um, another member of the Booth family. Yeah, exactly. That they actually call that the John Wilkes Booth. Um, and so uh, I wanted to make that joke, and I'm sad. I w- I thought about making it earlier. And I'm like, it, no, I'll wait, and then it, you know. Um, so anyway. But, crucially, Natalie's got some evidence. Mm-hmm. Ironclad. There's no fucking way, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what is that evidence, Jake? Julie comes in with a boombox, and, well, first they mention the motive, by the way, but the motive's obvious. Um, comes in. Yeah. And starts singing, and, um, you know, that's her evidence, basically saying, no one could see that and say it's unforgettable. Which is like, once again, it's not bad singing, but, like, it's not good enough for me to be like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the the definition of forgettable for like. Unfortunately, yeah, and you know. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry. And I feel and I feel okay saying this one because I think Amy Clark is actually really good at acting and the rest of this, and she also doesn't act anymore. <laughs> so it's like I don't feel bad about. it. Right. But it is just like it is just one of those things where it, it, it's always a disconnect in any movie or TV show where they want an actor to be exceptionally good at something. And they don't actually nail it, but then everyone's talking about it like they are, and it's like, am I supposed to think that she, you know, like, you're not really sure, you're not, the show doesn't make it clear how good you're supposed to think Julie is at singing. Right, because matters, the only but. person that, the only person, the only people that react to this are three mm. people. Natalie, Monk, mm. and John Hannigan. One of them exactly. is the mother, another person has no idea what constitutes a good performance of anything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except when it comes to crime. Uh-huh. And then third, a person that we'll get into it later. It, it, I think that it, this actually would be helped a lot if Stoudemire and Disher were, like, very, like, honestly, like, you're incredible, but it's... A, like, if they actually, like, didn't just 
because they kind of sound like they're just being patronizing. And, like, if they reacted, like, very positively, like, Julie, you're a wonderful singer, but, like, this means nothing, I think that that would do a lot, help a lot. Because it just, it's unclear, yeah. it's unclear whether or not they think that she's actually good at singing. It's unclear if they're just annoyed that they're wasting their time, or if they think that she's not actually unforgettable. You know? Anyway. Right, right. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, Natalie is, like, just, she's clearly lost her mind in some way, shape, or form. Even though she ends up being right, she's not motivated by actual evidence, really. She's motivated by, you know, other stuff. Yeah, and she puts, like, Monk in a tough spot. Like, she's just like, mm-hmm. wait, you don't believe me? And, like, you know, there's just not enough at this point to go off of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't blame them yeah. at all, but they, they definitely, you know, considering, like, what she's done for them and, like, all that stuff, they could have handled it probably a little bit better. Yeah. I do love that she says, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And then Randy says, that's usually what he says. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they then cut to uh, Monk doing one of, I think, the best visual gags in the whole show. He is ironing a magazine. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Okay. I thought I thought he was ironing the playbill for whatever reason. Is it just I, a I don't magazine? know. I think it's just a random magazine because there's a stack of magazines next to it. Yeah, and <clears throat> ring, ring, he gets a phone call, and it's Natalie. And I was surprised, because I'm like, oh, I thought she was, like, pissed off at him. But sure enough, uh, she's calling him, and she's got some news. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's at the station. Mm-hmm. Um, not voluntarily, because she got arrested. Yeah. That's definitely something. Uh, very glad that I've never had to make a phone call from jail. Um, man. Uh, I wish I could say the same. I, I, I wasn't teeing you up for that. I just was saying for myself. That's why I said, that's why I, said I. I didn't ask. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah. I actually, I got arrested in Mexico. It wasn't even here. No, I know. I, we've, told, we've told the story before, which is how I knew that you got arrested once. Oh, right, 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 <laughs> um, right, right. But, uh, yeah, definitely um, got to put your tail between your legs. Um, anyway. My prison wallet is still intact, my friend. Oh, f- thank God. Um, so, uh... <laughs> my she... wife just threw her hands up and fucking, like, what the fuck are you talking about? The thing that she needs to understand is... Not we did not walk nearly. You there's a leap between what we were talking about and you going there. We didn't need to go there. No, I'm fine. Yeah. That we did. You know I'm never. You know I'm never upset if we do that. But anyway, yes. so we learned that she was in his backyard going through his garbage, um, and she's definitely um, you know kind of she's really manic. She's talking about how she sings like an angel. He wasn't there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we learn that uh, so Hannigan comes in and. Um, He's dropping the charges. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, he's being mag- he's being magnanimous about it. Um, yes. And then Natalie completely, I think, fucks up by being like, you killed that poor waitress! Like, throwing all the cards on the table. Yeah, for sure. You shouldn't have showed your hand. Um, and, you know, he she points out that he never reviews community theater. Mm-hmm. And not only that, she's got... I don't, which I don't know how she... Or I guess did the cops bring it out? The half-eaten no. dumpling? No, she found it in his garbage. Remember she was digging through his garbage? No, 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 right. But, like, did they have it? or like was She it must have had it on her, I guess. I don't know. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, good lord. But it's obviously, like, very... Yeah, not good. And he sa- she says that it matches the bites on the strawberry, but then I, I love Randy says, we actually couldn't get a match. <laughs> yeah, the strawberry was too soft. And so, you know, that gets Hannigan uh, calling her delusional and unstable as mm-hmm. most, you know, showbiz moms are, which... Not untrue. Not wrong. No. Not wrong. Um, and, you know, he's, like, tired of this whole thing, and he, he pulls out, like, probably the number one... Like, one of the number, like, top three reasons why you think somebody would be a fucking pompous douchebag. Mm-hmm. He brings out a fucking pocket watch, mm-hmm. which, 
you know, this isn't the Polar Express, my boy. Like, just figure it out. Get a fucking watch like mm-hmm. a normal person. Well, it's not the Polar Express because he's not played by Tom Hanks. I mean, that's for one. All uh, right, man. <laughs> come on. <laughs> what? Fucking A, man. Stop not selling my jokes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I was. I don't think I was not selling that one. I Honestly, the reason I said it is because I'm of all movies that involve have someone with a pocket watch, why the Polar Express? It's the one in my head. Oh, okay. Um, and anyway... Uh, I actually was watching a video earlier today of people reviewing good and bad VFX shots in movies, so I actually just saw clips from the Polar Express, which is why the fact that all the characters were played by Tom Hanks was front of mind. That's, where, did, uh, where did Beowulf fall into this? I actually never saw Beowulf, and it's not on... It wasn't in no, that video. No, it wasn't discussed? Okay. Well, no, it's like a series where it's like... They probably eventually get to it, but I've been watching a series of like 50 videos. I'm on episode like 20 of like just VFX artists reacting to VFX shots. It's pretty good by the Corridor crew. I mean, they have a lot more... People probably are more familiar with them than us because they have like millions of views and we don't. But anyway. Okay. Um, so, Natalie's yelling that he's going to rot in hell. Um, and then we see later that uh, at Monk's place, Natalie is paying a check to Monk to hire him. But Monk says the check is no good. Yeah, check's no good. You know, he wrote her, he literally wrote her a check her butt can't cash, which, mm-hmm. yeah. and he tries to take the, like, the weirdo high ground on this. I mean, like, obviously we know that that's going to happen. It's played for comedy. I think, the, I think the fact yeah, that it's of played very fun. I love the, the, the way that Tony Shrew delivers, like, um, where it's like, you can't cover this. It's like, no, I just, I just che- cashed your check yesterday. Yeah, and that check is going to bounce. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He's um, writing, yeah. what the hell is wrong? He's writing bad checks. Yeah, it's he. He needs to. He needs to get the the cuff slapped on him. In my opinion, that's one of my favorite like crimes. If you like look like for someone, like arrest record, just writing bad checks because it's such like a stupid crime. <laughs> just writing checks that you won't, that you're not gonna bounce. Like if you, it's so obvious, so easy to get caught. Um, yeah. Well, luckily we've all moved past that being yeah. a, a actual thing you yeah. can get locked. I on. legit have not written a single check in my entire life. Um, and I have no... I've written several checks. Of course you have. You're a decade older than me. <laughs> Am I? Uh, well, how old are you again? I'm gonna be 34. Okay, so you're, uh, eight and a half years older than me. Yeah, suck my dick. Will do. Uh, no. <laughs> yes! Uh, see, I, I just sold your joke. You're welcome. Um, Thank so, you. So, Welcome's Natalie's... Natalie, I mean, Monk is like, you know... Julie said the review doesn't matter, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Monk says, you know, she'll bounce back. She'll bounce back. And I do love that she's. When have you bounced back? You're still mad about things your dad said to you when you were three. Yeah, and uh, solid point. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, you know, he again for like the millionth time on the show reluctantly agrees to go along with it, um, yeah. as he fucking should. Just yeah. you know, yeah. do her solid. Exactly. So they leave and they go into the box in the theater. And Monk, of course, is having yeah. a little bit of vertigo, but. Um, they ask, like, the theater director, I think whoever the, the person who's showing them around is, does he normally sit here? And apparently the answer is no, he sits in, like, the middle of the theater. So, right. Row five stuff. or something. Yeah, which is, you know, I, if you're a theater critic, probably a good place to sit because, you know, you have the experience of everyone. Um, right. And the exit light there is out. Um, and Monk looks inside of it. And is it a dim bulb? Is it a faulty wiring? No, it's uh, it's just been unscrewed uh, a little bit. Uh, so obviously somebody was trying to make it look, or somebody was trying to get it as dark as dark as possible in that particular section, which mm-hmm. we saw that night. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, Natalie's you know saying like, oh my god, it wasn't him. He used an inflatable dummy. It's like no, he was moving. It's like he used a mechanical man. And Monk kind of is like, uh, but it's like 
That literally was the plot of an episode like a season ago. <laughs> right, 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 right. I thought the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one inside, like, the Ripley's Believe It or Not kind of movie. Yeah, yeah, It was you know? Mr. Yeah. Monk and the lady next door. Yes. Um, okay. And so Monk has to wash his hands, though, because he touched all, like, the stuff up there. So he goes to the bathroom, uh, and, you know, Gilson is there, even though it's in the middle of the day. And, I mean, just... He's just done. He separated the soaps by bacteria, uh, antibacterial and non-antibacterial. Like in terms of Which, being good, why would you even need on antibacterial? It's just like because soap? because because antibacterial soap. Well, no, you actually clean your hands and you get almost all of the bacteria without antibacterial soap. Antibacterial soap is kind of a scam because regular soap gets rid of almost all the bacteria anyway. Antibacterial soap gets rid of one the good bacteria in your skin and also helps create anti-resistant uh, like diseases like MRSA and all that shit is a lot because people use antibacterial soap antibacterial soap is not horrible but like it's actually like kind of bad if everyone's using it so yeah regular soap without that stuff is will is just as good really as antibacterial soap it's kind of a scam okay yeah Roger. just FYI I actually I just remember I once I remember why I got feel passionately about that but it is a thing it just I don't mind it it's just like terrible marketing because it's like yeah, this gets rid of 99.9% of, like, bacteria. It's like, yeah, regular soap gets rid of, like, 93% and leaves, like, the good bacteria. <laughs> it's like, why would you? Right. Um, yeah. So it's a big investigation, and he's asking about the box and asks, could someone sneak out? Because where does that box go? It leads to a fire escape that leads to the back of the theater. So perfect spot to, um, you know, escape if you needed to. Do something. And so... Monk looks at the towels and notes that uh, Gilson is an artist. Now, but I couldn't help but think because of this whole scene with the bathroom attendant, I I was definitely thinking a lot about The Shining, um, for the whole bit. I don't know if you the were at all, but whenever I think of a bathroom attendant scene, because I haven't seen that many bathroom attendants in real life, that's where my mind goes. Um, was there a bathroom attendant in that movie? Yes. Uh, isn't that isn't what's his face? Um, oh, the murder guy, the one who convinces yeah. him to do all yeah, that. The yeah, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, like. I, I just kept thinking of the bartender. I corrected them. I can't roll my R's, but yeah, I so he says it. Yes, um, I corrected them. Exactly. Um, and so, Gilson asks what the case is about, and he says, well, someone snuck out and killed a woman. Um, and then they start wiping each other, which I think is a great visual gag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, very good one. Um, show isn't known for a lot of those things, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but this one was a good one. Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, they ask if he saw anything, and he says, no, of course not. Um, but uh, he gives him his card and then calls him Michelangelo. Um, the Michelangelo of lavatories. Exactly. Um, you know, which, that's an honor, honestly. Um, and I don't remember any of the details of it, but I do remember during his freshman year of college, my twin brother co-wrote a, like, a, the, a musical number to close out his sketch group show about a bathroom attendant, uh, <laughs> which was great. Uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, I mean, it was good. I, my, the, Michael Christie, the only one who never tried to, to have a career in comedy, uh, definitely the funniest. Uh, anyway. Um, so, we then see, uh, Hannigan is, um... In his car. He's in his car, and then Gilson meets him, randomly, and he's giving him a small gift. Yeah, um, he gives... What, what does he give him? Like, you actually don't see it in this moment. We don't see it in this moment. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, he gives him something, and he's just, like, he met, like he gets out of the car, and they basically talk about, you know, Gilson has some doubts about what occurred mm-hmm. that night. Mm-hmm. He asks, you know, he mentions that a woman was murdered that mm-hmm. same night of the performance, and he asks uh, Hannigan if he was in any way involved. 
mm-hmm. um, which is curious. Like, why would this person all of a sudden, like, why would Gilson suspect uh, Hannigan of being involved, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, are you asking me actually? No, I mean, like, oh, no, I mean, oh yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's obviously, you know, Hannigan knows this is bad news, so he asks to help him, quote, carry in boxes, and then he hits him over the head with what looks like a bicycle lock, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but, um. It's a, it's, it's what we used to use to, like, lock your steering wheel, it's called a club. Oh, right, right, right. I, yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, Of course I've seen that. I, I, yes. I live in New York. Um, but anyway, yeah. um, so we didn't go to the hospital, and apparently he's in a coma, he was found on the highway. Um, Just thank God he's alive, honestly. Yeah. Gilson's a good guy. Uh-huh. And so, Natalie's still like, it was John Hannigan. Which, at this point, I think that she has some case, because, like, what are the odds that the bathroom attendant at the theater would also just randomly show up in, like, the same week? Like, it's not, you know. No, yeah, absolutely. Like, no, for sure. And, um, yeah, so, and she's fucking right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, what, do they cut after this to, like, Well, no, we place? find that, we find that... In his possession were a thing, a wrapped gift of nicotine gum, um, uh-huh. and then a wristwatch, which is the same as what they saw in the theater. And I love the monk says, "Just Natalie, don't hug me. Why? Because you're gonna want to hug me. You were right about uh, Hannigan." Right. Right. And so what we conclude is that Hannigan basically sat in for. You mean Gilson? I'm sorry, sat Gilson, in. Gilson sat in for Hannigan while he committed the crime of murdering, uh, whatever in it, Callie. And uh, the watch was a clue. It was, uh, you know, that was the key. And mm-hmm. so basically what, hap- what had happened was mm-hmm. he had tricked Gilson into helping him, claiming that he had to go out for a cigarette break. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when Hannigan snuck out and went to the hotel and killed her. And, uh, and that's why he, you know, threw out... I mean, I guess, I don't know. I guess, I guess that's why he threw out the pack of cigarettes? Well, because he had the pack of cigarettes as like a prop, you know. Because he was oh, using it as a okay. prop for Gilson. Which, you know, that's people went above and beyond. He didn't need to have that prop, but it was a good prop work. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, they can't, the problem is they can't prove it because he's just going to lawyer up and there's no proof. Um, Right. But this is actually, I think, my favorite part of the, this is actually probably the best monk gambit to entrap a criminal that they've ever done. I think this is actually Which is this legal? Is this legal? I, well, it's, it is legal to do this. It's whether or not it would be compelling evidence in court. Who knows? The thing is that because Monk never wants to touch DNA, in actuality, what they, if this was real life, what they would do is this would probably be enough in order to subpoena a DNA test, and then th- that DNA test would match with the strawberry. So that's why in real life this is probably what happened. Because the, the thing about, like, anything like this is this wouldn't be enough to convict him on this, but it would be enough to get DNA evidence, uh, you know, like, um, fingerprint evidence, all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah. I was just like, I had my blind. I, I was just like, whoa, there's no fucking way this shit is gonna, yeah. gonna last or gonna hold up in court. No, no, but no, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's no. never been the case where like, again, it's another episode where you just see him get arrested and that's it. We don't go through the yeah. fucking rigmarole of everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they uh, they say it's important and it's you know not about Callie, and Julie walks in and says it's him. It's like, what is this? And she starts to tell a story about how she was at, uh, you know, the bar, and he bought... At Winbury's. Winbury's. Bought her a rum and coke, and he starts yelling, you know, like, he starts protesting, and she says she felt woozy, you know, was and then woke up in a parking lot fighting, and just basically, she describes a, a violent sexual assault. Um, and um, right. he says it's preposterous, and 
They say all the evidence matches, her dress was ripped, etc., etc., etc. And what is his defense? He doesn't just say he didn't do it. What does he say specifically? He says specifically that he's never seen her before in his life. And Stammer Stammer makes him nail down that. You're saying that you have never seen this woman before. Yeah. And he doubles down. He says he's never seen her before, which obviously we know couldn't have been the case if he were there to watch, to have been there to watch the performance that Julie put on of that Away song. Uh, Because that's the only time that she was like dressed, like she was like. As herself, because she was dressed as an old lady. Correct, later on. And exactly. um, and they fucking got him. Yep. And so uh, they say, like, I'd like you to meet Julie Teeger, etc. And um, as she's being let out, Natalie says, she's not too forgettable now, is she? Um, you know, good burn. And then yeah. it cuts to the end yeah. bit uh, where they get a letter in the mail um, and they need to open it. It's from Cal. And Monk takes forever to open it. Then he starts reading the address, all that stuff, and the name. It's all the, all the shit. Um, yeah. But eventually, they get to him saying, we are pleased to inform you, and then they go crazy, uh, which is how it is, because I remember when I got my acceptance letter to the college that I went to, which I won't mention again, because I don't want people to over uh, get alcohol poisoning, uh, it, I stopped reading at congratulations. You know, you, who cares? The rest of it's fine, you know? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so then they sneak out to celebrate as Monk reads the rest of the letter. End of episode. What do you get this upset at 10? I gave it an 8 out of 10. So did I. I think that this is an upswing. Um, this is where I remember these episodes starting to get good. Because um, there's like at least two more episodes that are coming up that I like. Um, I like a lot before the last one. The last one is like legit. You could make the case that the two-part finale is like the best monk. Which is something you can't say about a lot of shows. Um, but okay. anyway. Uh, please follow Joe at Strictly Monk. And uh, Andre will follow you. You can follow me at Andre Burra. And you can follow me at the J. Christie. Review, subscribe, share the show with the biggest monk fan in your life. But more important than all of that, everything we've said in this episode, except for the bit where I uh, made the joke about him not being played by Tom Hanks, which was absolutely warranted and did not step on Andre's joke, except for that bit. That, everything up. But other than that, more importantly, tune in next week as we talk about Mr. Monk and the voodoo curse. Ooga shaka, ooga, ooga, ooga shaka. I have no idea this is voodoo related, but let's just get monkey, baby.